your new or existing home is one of your most important assets. Yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Real Real Estate Today. I am your host, Deb Tomorrow. That's T-O-M-A-R-O. If you would like to find me on Facebook, Deb Tomorrow Realtor. And uh, I'm out there in the Twitter world, too, right? Nah, not very... I'm too Are old. Are you still on Twitter? I mean, it's there. Okay. I, you know, there's stuff, but um, I'm not so good with that. It's too many things to keep track of. But anyways, I am out there. Mostly on Facebook is probably the best way to find me. Um, if you want to follow along, we always post really good links to our show and other good information. And hang on, a completely different related subject. It's different, yeah, it's related. See how that works. If you're ever interested in having your own show radio show you want to talk to me about having a radio show for if you're a realtor or you have any other business i'd be happy to talk to you about that too because i've been doing this for about i don't know a while episode 55 six something like that and uh it's proved very fruitful for me in many many ways so anyways uh that's just a little aside i am joined today by karen rastel as always best damn letter in the state of indiana hi karen hey and uh we're going to talk to you today about did your, did your mother ever tell you that you're special all the time yeah. no she would say you are something else <laughs> oh well, you are something else yes. that's true so we are talking today about properties that are something else nice so unique properties um i always think back to i was sort of known in school growing up as the one that had to kind of be different um i could never have a job where i had to wear a uniform not that not because i like dress fancy but like i can't dress like everybody else like i just can't what you didn't want, like the same, like polyester blend, like no. pantsuit. Right. Okay. Right. I'm not that old. But uh, no, I always had to kind of like just be a little bit different from the crowd, I guess. So that's what we're going to talk about today are unique properties. I have some really interesting, unique properties coming on the market, and we're going to talk about the pros and cons of um, buying one and, and what you need to think about when you're selling one. But uh, before that, I have a couple of public service announcements. So, Karen, you don't want to talk about your weekend, right? No, in a pass. Thank you. Okay. She had a good weekend, though. It's a good kind of, I don't want to talk about it, because it's a good weekend. But we had about four inches of rain here in central Indiana. Uh, crazy. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think so. I don't know. Where I was, we were underwater. I mean, it was, they'd shut roads down, and mm-hmm. yeah. And and as we <laughs> like to say on the news here, turn around, don't drown, meaning don't drive through it. But when you got places to go. We had places to go. We drove through it. Okay. Barely. And we're never talking about that again. We're never going to talk about it again. Not going to admit to that. Not going to tell any parents that that's what we did. Um, But uh, I did want it the whole weekend. I'm like, do I have any inspections coming up this week? Please no. Please no. Please no. And I don't. Thank goodness. But this is a great time, homeowners, to get into that crawl space and have a little, as my mother would say, come to Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, check out face your situation. The, face <laughs> the facts. Um, you know, so many sellers just kind of bury their head in the sand and they don't want to know until it's too late uh, for them to do anything about it or, you know, it's crunch time. 
So this is the time to, uh, you know, stick your head down there, get someone to go down there, see what's going on, you know, move some boxes out from the walls in your basement, um, you know, and make sure that you don't have any water issues. Also, really good time to clean your gutters. Uh, and I know I went around to a bunch of the rental properties this weekend and saw all kinds of places and the gutters that need to be caulked, like seams that need to be caulked and things like that. So it was very eye-opening to wander around in the rain. So use that rain to your advantage, but luckily it's gorgeous sunshiny today. I know. I thought it was supposed to rain again, and I thought, here we go. Yeah, I think later this week we're getting okay. more rain. So sunshiny, but a little chilly. So haven't yet had to paint the toenails, but soon. Coming soon. <laughs> You're looking at me like, no, does that, that make sense? No, I got it now. Open-toed yeah. shoes. Yes. I haven't had to break them out yet, but it's coming soon. All right. So I had another little bit of news um, that I wanted to touch on because it just came out yesterday. You know, I get a lot of people who contact me and ask about buying properties because they want to go into the Airbnb business. I don't know if you've ever had anyone contact no, you no about that. Not for that specific reason. And I kind of go, okay, um, you know, I see the value and I see some of the success. And actually, I'm going out uh, tomorrow to talk to a lady who has um, an Airbnb uh, property in the next county over. Um, so, yeah, so it'll be interesting to have a conversation. And and I think that there's value in the Airbnbs, but you need to, two things. One, when you purchase, if you're purchasing with that purpose in mind, you need to really understand what your current um, legislation, rules, regulations, all that. I was going to say, I was just in a board meeting today on this um, Mortgage Bankers Association local board that I'm on, and we were talking about this this morning. Oh, really? Yeah, that there is a town, a suburb of Indianapolis that does not allow... At all. At all. And when I don't know how they find out that a homeowner is doing that, but when they do, they send them like a cease and desist order. Okay. So. And, well, I mean, it's easy to find out because they're posted online. You just got to have somebody who's, you know, so what I wanted to talk about today was that there was a big uh, lawsuit settled in San Francisco between Airbnb and the city of San Francisco. Um, And it's funny you say that because in the story that was in the New York Times online, they had a, a picture and there was a big billboard that was put up that Airbnb was buying billboards, you know, just trying to generate publicity over this situation. Um, and it said, who's, who's going to turn you in, like turn around, which neighbor's going to turn you in kind of thing. Okay. So that's, I mean, a big part of how, if there's a neighbor who doesn't let, you know, know something's going on and they're not happy for whatever reason, that's how the you know government officials are going to find out. Um, so anyways, this lawsuit with, uh, San Francisco and Airbnb, which ironically Airbnb is headquartered in San Francisco. So they're in a lawsuit with their own hometown was basically that San Francisco has strict rules and, and regulations over registering, um, rental properties, which, you know, our town, little town, Bloomington, Indiana has the same. And so that's always been a question too, is, you know, what, what is this? Is it regulated like a normal rental property? Is it regulated or do we charge a hotel tax? Um, you know, how do we handle that? Um, so this was that Airbnb essentially agreed to San Francisco's demand to be more transparent about its ho- hosts and to help enforce existing registration laws. 
Um, and then there was also a lawsuit recently in New York. And what Airbnb is trying to do is clear up some of these outstanding lawsuits because their intent is to go public soon. Um, and so they've got to you know, clear up a lot of those legal disputes because right now the company is valued at $30 billion. So oh my gosh. I know. So someone is standing to make a lot of money with that. Um, but Airbnb and another short-term rental company, HomeAway, um, brought the lawsuit against San Francisco in June over a decision by the city's board of supervisors to find the companies $1,000 a day for every unregistered host on its service. Uh, the board imposed the fines after it realized that hosts had not been complying with a cumbersome process passed in 2014. This is in San Francisco. that asked them to register in person at a city office overseeing short-term rentals. So you have a short-term rental, you have to go down to a city office and register in person. Um, and they actually even call it the Airbnb law because that's why they put that law into place. Um, so under the settlement, the, com- the city and the companies will collect data from people who rent their homes out for less than a month on their sites. Um, in San Francisco, we use that information to vet and register hosts. Um, and then they're also Airbnb saying that they'll help um, enforce local laws and there's fines if they don't take down illegal listings if they're notified by the city. Um, and I think what's also important, we did a show on this several months ago, um, Airbnb also said last week that it would allow the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, so fair housing, to conduct fair housing tests on its hosts in California. Um, under the agreement, state agents can pose as potential travelers to see whether a host complies with anti-discrimination and fair housing laws. So that's a, it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. But as a host, it can be a little scary because you need to understand, you know, what you are and aren't allowed to do yes, and what those... how things can appear, even if you don't intend for them to appear that exactly. way. And uh, we have the same thing in real estate. We're sort of like secret shoppers um, that we can have people contact us about uh, listing properties or going to look for properties and they can actually be um, testers, mm-hmm. making sure that we're complying with the law. So that is going to be interesting to watch uh, as well. And uh, hopefully Airbnb will provide some education to their hosts. Um, you know, and that makes the world a better place, hopefully. So I'm down with that. I would think so. I didn't realize that they're $30 billion. Like, they're valued at that much. Have you ever stayed in one? No, but my sister does all the time. Really? Yeah, she stayed in one in L.A. I think uh, when they went to New York City, they stayed in one. They were doing uh, college visits. Oh, okay. And they were... Is she staying in ones that are just apartments or, like, rooms in people's houses? Both. Because I don't know that I could do the room in a person's house. She totally did the room in a person's house. I'd have to ask her about it. It would freak me out. My friend did it in Chicago. And it, like, reeked of cat urine so bad that they, like, could barely stay there. But my friend was like, well, I paid for this, so I'm going to stay here. And her husband was like, I'm going to go sleep in the car. I know for sure when she went to L.A., she stayed in a room in someone's house. I just think it would be weird. I I don't know. It's probably the introvert in me. It would be weird. I mean, I agree. But um, she said it was, like, it was super cheap. The well, people were nice. That. It was clean. You know, it didn't smell yeah, cat urine. So, I mean, I could, like I said, if it was like the standalone, I, I look at him, looked at him a few times, like when we go to Maine and, you know, every year, but I'm just can't really bring myself to, to do it. I don't know. I'll have to get over it. It's like Uber. Like, how do we know that the Uber driver isn't a crazy maniac? Not like a cab driver is or isn't, but you just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess I'm old school. So <laughs> anyways. Um, okay. So that was our little intro blurb there. We are going to talk about um, unique properties because I've got some really unique properties coming up on the market. And uh, and so I thought, well, this is a, a good topic that I don't think we've even touched on at all. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, go to a break while we've got a good breaking point and then we'll come up, uh, come back and talk about these unique properties and how we manage them. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Real Real Estate Today. We are talking about unique properties. What makes property unique and what do you do if you need to sell one? What are your potential challenges? How is it different? Um, And that kind of thing. So um, I'm going to put Karen on the spot because she never knows what the shows are about. We we like to roll like that. It's a little... It's like you yeah. like to do that to me. I, do. I appreciate it's quite it. Enjoyable. She was like, "What's today's show about?" I'm like, "I'm not gonna tell you till I start talking." She's like, "Okay." Um, so, what? How would you define what? What do you think makes a property unique? Uh, definitely different features that would be hard for an appraiser to find a comparable property. Oh, see, you're such a lender. 
Well, <laughs> you are such a lender because you're approaching it from the financial like. Yeah. You always look at when you drive by a house on the street, you go, can I loan on that or is yeah, that a problem? I do, yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Well, we're going to talk about that because that certainly is one of the big challenges when we come up with um, um, unique properties. So if your property is unique, so we're going to define it first, uh, it's probably unique in, in one of maybe five ways. And the first that we think about is architectural style. I found this really cute article. Um, and uh, Rachel's probably going to post it up on Facebook there for us, but it has pictures of all these unique buildings and they're actually more bizarre than even unique. So they're a little bit to the extreme, but um, there's one that is um, the Big Duck in Flanders, New York. It's a big duck, just a big duck. It's a building in the shape of a duck. It was built in 1931 by a duck farmer. I don't know what a duck farmer is. Um, and he used a wooden frame and concrete to create this 20-foot tall structure. And he added taillights from a Model T Ford to create the duck's glowing eyes, which is not creepy at all. No. <laughs> not creepy. Um, and um, and he originally sold duck eggs from the, the belly of the duck. Like there was a shop in there. But now it operates as a tourist center. But if you can imagine that tourist center closes down, who's going to want to buy a big giant duck? I don't even know how they let them how they let this person build it back then. It was 1931, what? man, they were crazy. Uh, have you ever seen Orange World? No. I think I've been by Orange World. It's it's in Kissimmee. Uh, so in Florida, so near Disney World. Right. And it's the world's largest orange. Um, it's actually only half an orange, 60 feet tall. And it sells oranges and grapefruit and tangerines and orange-related gifts. Interesting. Okay. But, and it's not on this list, but there is also the world's giant, world's largest blueberry, which is somewhere north of, uh, uh, north of Acadia in Maine. <laughs> I've been by it a few times. Can you take a picture we next drove, time? Oh, I have pictures. We drove by it once and the first time and it was closed and I was devastated. And then the second time we were going somewhere else and I was like, oh, it's open. And so we had to stop and get some like blueberry candy or something. I don't really care for blueberries, but it's a similar thing. Um, there is um, a dog bark park inn, which is like a bed and breakfast, but the building is in the shape of a giant beagle. And which Giant. Side? I mean, like two stories tall. Beagle. Uh, and then in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, there's a pharmacy that's in the shape of a mortar and pestle. Well, that would be fun. Yeah. Which reminds fun. me that in Massachusetts, in Ipswich, Massachusetts, there is a, um, a seafood, uh, it's a clam shack in the shape of a clam box. Like this is a box that you would serve like fried clam strips in. Um, so that's a good one. Oh, and then my favorite, which I think is just ridiculous, because most of these were built like, you know, 1930s, 1940s, whatever. This is a giant corporate office for the Longaberger Basket built company in the shape of a giant Longaberger Basket. And by giant, I mean it's 180,000 square feet. It's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight or nine stories tall. I, I recall with basket handles going, and everything going to that. Yeah. Yeah. It was built in 1997. You'd think by the nineties would have known better because I mean, someday. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen to that. I don't even know. Is that building still up by the way? I'm sure it is. Okay. Where is this in Ohio somewhere? Where in Ohio? I don't know. Is that in Columbus? 
I don't know. We'll have to find that out. Uh, and there's another one that we're going to talk about later in the show, I think, that was built in 1948. That's a giant shoe. <laughs> it was built by a shoe salesman. I can see these pictures. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah, okay. to help advertise his products. Uh, and it was modeled after a work work boot. And the article says it's larger than it looks. It over five stories tall. The building has a living room in the toe and a kitchen in the heel <laughs> and two bedrooms located in the angle, ankle. And it's open for tours. Well, so. I would hope so. I don't know why else somebody would. Wouldn't open that up. Well, and so there was there's a story somewhere I've got in my notes that we'll talk about because the the shoe house actually came up for sale. Someone was trying to sell it. Oh. And so it was like, who are you going to buy that wants, you know, a shoe house kind of thing? So um, so that's one, you know, obvious. And, and even on a, on a more pedestrian um, level, architectural style, you know, around here, one of the... Uh, Banes of our existences are berm homes. Yes. So that's a home. I don't. What's the official definition? That it's surrounded by earth on three sides or something. Something like that. So it's kind of sunken into the ground, um, and they are actually incredibly um, energy efficient, mm-hmm. and usually have pretty good light. You'd think they'd be really dark, but ones that are well built have good light. They're faced a certain way. They have skylights and things you like that. You can definitely clean out your gutters with ease yeah. because you can reach them. You can reach them. Yep, because you just walk around the backyard, and there they are. <laughs> Check for roof leaks and things like that. Um, but that is a unique structure that we don't have a lot of around here. Um, there's a few geodet I cannot say geodesic desic geo circle homes. They're like spheres, but half of them, a dome home. Let's call them that. Um, and that's another one too. And and so those you know just aren't your traditional cookie cutter homes no and that and you're we're just talking the outside right now yeah well and even on the inside but um i had a property that had a putting green on the inside yeah which is not common here right in in indiana Mm -hmm. um but i kept thinking i don't know i don't know how this is going to appraise out right and in the location and yeah i showed a house last week a couple of times that is two houses in one but not in the normal way. Like we often see, like we call them in-law suites, mm-hmm. like in the basement where there's an apartment that's finished out. These were two houses side by side, but joined as one and built as one. So you go in the front door and you go through like a dining room and there's a nice big kitchen and a, like a family room and then a living room. And then there's a little vestibule door and you pass through that and there's another living room and there's another kitchen and there's a bedroom and a bathroom they and were a second garage at the same time yeah mm-hmm. so on one side of the house like on the main part of the house there's a three car garage and then on the other part of the house there's a one car garage and they're all uh, two stories over basement so they all have doors like you connect upstairs you can connect them all or you can shut the whole thing down and have two complete houses one's probably 2,000 square feet and one's probably 5,000 square feet I need to see this house it's insane <laughs> I need to see this house. It's insane. I it's, heard yeah. people doing that with like older homes. Yeah. They want to uh, restore the existing or, you know, the original home, but they start to add on to it. And yeah. then that structure. Now, this house stuff. was built in like, I don't know, 10 years ago. Hmm. So it was intentionally built like that. And I'm not really sure what the story was. I mean, I have to think extended family or something like that. But yipes. It's going to be a little bit of a. A tough sell because, yeah, like the family I was showing it to thought it was really cool 
and like they had teenagers and they're like, look, you can have your own kitchen. It'll be like the snack kitchen. Well, it was great. But I mean, is it practical? Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, every single, it had seven and a half bathrooms and seven bedrooms and it had a hot tub inside and it had a pool outside. It was interesting. Anyways, unique architecture. So that's one of the big ways. I mean, that's the obvious way uh, that makes a property unique. But sometimes, like you said, if you've personalized it with an odd or unexpected feature, so like the putting green, mm-hmm. um, indoor pools indoor around pool. here, I've seen a few, I've seen two of them, I think, in 10 years in real estate. Mm-hmm. So they do make a property a little bit more unique. Um but, uh, you know, again, even stuff that, you know, you knock out some walls and it becomes a one-bedroom house, you know, because that's what worked for you. Yeah. I had someone who uh, converted one of – it was a two-bedroom home, but converted one of them into a closet space. Okay. So – and I, I said, you know, we're, we're going to do our best. I don't know how that'll – how that all praise out yeah. in one bedroom where right. you're located. Yeah. Um, and then another way that a property is unique is that it has a strange floor plan, which is kind of like that as well. Um, one of the things I remember seeing, uh, and the house is actually back on the market. I had it listed many, many years ago, and it was a challenge to sell because there was not a place. It was built by a man who was single at the time, and he just ate dinner in front of the TV. It was a very nice house, Mm -hmm. you know, two-story over a basement and, you know, nice big open floor plan and tall ceilings and all that, but there was no dining room. There was no place for a kitchen table anywhere. Like, I sat at the top of the stairs staring down at this great room trying to figure out where the heck we could put a table because I thought no family is going to buy this house because there's no place to eat. There's like two little bar stools at a, a counter overhang and that was it. And he's like, wow. So it's back anyways, on the market now. Uh, yeah, I think it does okay. have an offer. I mean, it sold a long time ago and now it's, you know, being sold again kind of thing. But um, yeah, something like that can make a property unique. Um, and, uh, you know, it's important to recognize that. Um, if it's highly out of character um, for its context, so, you know, if it's a 7,000 square foot house in a neighborhood full of 1,000 square foot bungalows, that obviously right. makes a property unique. We see that sometimes where you were saying people add on and on and on and on. Um, and then if it's restricted in some way that makes it maybe not quite as appealing or not quite as available to the average buyer. So by that, I mean, um, you know, does your property limit in some way the number of people who can look at it or who can buy it? That could be deed restrictions. You know, I do a lot of work with Bloomington Restorations, which is a local nonprofit. And um, and they often have deed restrictions where there's income requirements or you can't, you know, there's an income cap. You can't make over a certain amount. And, uh, and so that makes that property unique because I can't sell it to the same open market. My market right. becomes very, very limited. Um, and then there's um, things like easements and things like that that can make, you know, other restrictions that can make property unique. So we're going to come back to this analogy today. We know I'm a big fan of analogies. Right. Right. So, okay. So here it is. Think of the real estate market as a haystack um, and you are looking for a needle in that haystack. That's your buyer. The more unique your property, the fewer needles that are going to be in there. 
Makes sense, right? Yes. That's that a good analogy a good for one. once, right? That, that's a good one. As opposed to I still other. get the cereal one. I know. <sighs> I, and I appreciate that. It'll be a while that. for that one to catch And I on. appreciate that. So um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today is that looking for that needle in a haystack, how you can increase your chances and improve that situation um, so that you can uh, get that house sold if it's a unique property because, you know... I, I'm all about unique properties. I love them. I think it's interesting. I think we have a you know opportunity in our country to have interesting architecture and interesting properties, but we need to make smart decisions about it. So when we come back, we will talk about what those unique pro- problems are dealing with unique properties. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to the Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Do 
You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Thank you so much for coming back uh, and sticking with us as we talk about unique properties today. So let's talk about some of the properties problems. I'm going to mix these words up, problems and properties, so bear with me. Uh, Talk about some of the problems facing unique properties, uh, and then we're going to brainstorm some solutions, because I like to be solution-oriented. So the first one is price. How the heck do you price it? Because typically, we are pricing things based on, yeah, Karen's like, roll the dice. Um, you know, we usually pace things on similar properties and how they sold, and that that's a good trend indicator. Um, you know, one thing I've been telling some of my clients with unique properties is that if, if someone comes in that door and tells you the value of your house, I'm going to tell you that they're lying because they don't know. Uh, and so I've had a few properties lately. I have a property I'm getting ready to list. It is a 7,000-square-foot martial arts studio nestled on 65 acres of pristine Indiana rolling countryside in Owen County, which is the next county over. It's a fascinating property. It's really interesting. Um, not a ton of buyers out there for it. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that property and sort of how I'm using that Um with some of the brainstorming solutions. But, uh, you know, I've told the guy, I said, we don't really know. We know what it costs you to build it. And that's a good starting point, too. Uh, and appraisers sometimes use numbers like that as well. But we're going to put a number out there, and then we're going to listen to the market. Um, so you give it your best shot, and then you listen, and you make adjustments, and, and you don't be stubborn. <laughs> is pretty much all you can do on properties like that. You can do as much research as you can, but it's just not a square foot by square foot, you know, straight analysis. But that person also, they use it, they reside in part of that they do. building, correct? Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be very interesting, yep. So secondary to that is what Karen's been alluding to since the beginning of the show, which is financing issues. This is a unique problem that uh, faces unique properties. When you uh, when you do find a prospect who's interested in your property, um, problems with financing can squash the deal. So lenders require a clear sense of the property's resale value before they'll offer a loan on it. Uh, because what is it that I always say? Lenders don't trust you. I always joke and tell that to my clients. I'm like, just remember, everything they do is because they don't trust you. But lenders are making an investment. I think people forget that part of the puzzle sometimes. Lenders are making an investment. And so like any good investor, they are doing their due diligence and they're looking at things from all angles. And they are, in part, having a conversation that says, if we have to foreclose on this property and we get it back and we end up owning it, how easily can we resell it? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't. That, that's a fair. That's a fair analysis for lenders to make. Uh, they're taking that big risk on you. So, one of the ways they do that is that they look for comparable sales in a house that has no equivalent or a building that has no equivalent. It can quickly be pegged as a risky investment. Have you ever seen them? I mean, you you kind of alluded to like if it has a one bedroom. Is a chance that the underwriter could say, mm, no. I mean, there's always that chance. And I'm just trying to think of the very, the last one I had, uh, you know, in, in the handful that I've had to come across my desk, we have found an outlet for, for those. And it might, it might've been something that uh, we as a lender kept portfolio, mm-hmm. meaning we didn't sell it to mm-hmm. the secondary market. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, we always, you know, did our best. And like you said, our due diligence with the, uh, and the appraisers around here tend to do everything that they can to make sure that they uh, have pulled every possible, any resource they can into their report to, to, to justify why they gave the value that they did. Right. I know last year I was, um, I had a listing that was a berm home and uh, the lender only had like one choice of an investor who could mm-hmm. do the loan. Um, you're just very limited. And I'm sure the buyers probably end up paying a little bit higher interest rate and things like that for that situation. Is that true? I, I don't even, I can't even answer that. I don't know yeah. anymore. Um, I don't think, I don't think that's te- technically the case. I just think that it's usually the ones that, that, that is the house that that's their dream home. Right. I mean, um, I don't think people go in thinking when we go to sell this, you know, five years from now, this is going to be an issue. Right. But now I know um, as an example to, uh, you know, I, like I mentioned in the last segment, I do a lot of work for Bloomington restorations and sometimes they sell homes that have these affordability restrictions. So you can't make over a certain amount of money and those restrictions stay in place with the house for anywhere from 10 to 15 years. Uh, and it's because the, the house was rehabbed using grant money. And as part of the grant, they were required to put these restrictions on the house and so we have had a very tricky time finding lenders who would do that loan it has nothing to do with the appraisal because we're usually selling the houses at well below market value Mm -hmm. um, if it didn't have the income restrictions on it but um, lenders are hesitant to take that loan on because if they did foreclose and got the house back they would be stuck with a house that you have a smaller pool of buyers you have Mm -hmm. fewer needles in that haystack and and lenders don't want to hold on to the houses they want to turn around and sell them so that's um uh, that was a a big issue for selling I actually just closed last week on a house and great location and I probably got 10 calls a day on that house Um, but it was very hard to find someone to qualify Uh, and we actually found two lenders in town who will do it so some of this is from the selling standpoint you know help um help the buyer out help the lender out proactively so if you know of comps if you know of comparable properties um you know if it's like for example a berm home in our market we can't do a search in our system very easily for berm homes it's not a style that we input and and recognize so um, sometimes it means going out and asking every other realtor in the market and you know hey do you know of any berm homes that have sold recently that we can use as a comparable so that we can uh, provide that information to the appraiser and help them uh, do their job but you know at the end of the day who cares about financing issues if you can't find a buyer to start with right so one of the things uh, don't assume uh, that buyers will love what you love and I think that's just so key that you've got to detach yourself from this house that because it's unique, you probably have um, people buy unique things because of the emotional attachment. You don't typically, if you move to town, you have a new job and you got to get a roof over your head, you know, over your kid's head, get them into school, that sort of thing. You're probably not going to buy a unique property. You're probably going to, you know, buy sort of the first thing that is functional for you. Um People buy unique properties because they fall in love and they have that emotional connection. So that makes it even harder to sell because you have to detach yourself from the home and from what you loved about it and know that what you love may not be what other people love. So like the gentleman who built the house that had no dining room, he didn't really understand why that was a problem. It just, he's like, what worked for me 
well, that's great. We'll just go and sell it to you <laughs> or to someone else. Exactly. Or like tell you. my 10-year-old who would love just to eat in front of the, right, the, the TV, living room. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we'll sell it to a 10-year-old. <laughs> There's your answer. Why did I think of that? I don't know. Um, you know, so be aware that not everyone's going to have the same feeling about the home as you did when you bought the place. Um, and conventional strategies, marketing strategies may not work, probably won't work, definitely won't work. Um, they may not tell the whole story or, or paint the true picture. And if you look, um, I think Rachel put the article up on Facebook um, about the unique properties. Uh, the one that has the bed and breakfast so this the giant statue of the beagle dog. If you just look at the picture, uh, from the one exterior picture we've seen, it looks really cramped. There's no windows in the dog's belly, which looks like it's the main part of the house. Um, so it looks like it would be really unpleasant but who knows because there's no pictures so you have to really start to get outside the box and don't let people just sort of judge that um, you know on a couple of pictures like you can do with a conventional house so I guess the question is are you screwed if you need to sell a unique property and I don't think that's necessarily the case but you definitely need a lot of patience Um, so you know we talked about how finding buyers is like looking for a needle in the haystack you know so in conventional homes there's going to be a lot of needles in that haystack and chances are that we'll hit on one uh, you know pretty quickly but in today's market you know it's almost like we have a stack of needles and then one piece of hay (laughs) like that's (laughs) about how it's feeling Um, so the more again I've said this before the more unique the property the fewer needles in that haystack it's going to take a lot longer to find that needle and so a strong marketing plan does a couple of things it increases bear with me as I continue with my analogy here it increases the number of hands looking for that needle okay a strong does that make sense a strong marketing strategy increases the number of hands in that haystack looking for the needle every internet site every person who sees the listing could be a pair of hands looking for the needle and it's not just exposure but it's you want the right exposure to people who will help you look Uh, you know when you put something out on Facebook that's great but if you put something out on Facebook as a marketer and people start to share it those are hands that are helping you look for that needle in that haystack so you've got to create some avenues like that the other thing is a good strong marketing plan increases the number of needles in the haystack okay so a we're we're increasing the number of hands looking for the needles and b then we're going to try and increase the number of needles and the more needles that are in that haystack the more chances we'll find one Um, so for example that martial arts studio that i was telling you about Mm -hmm. so it was listed about five years ago i think it was that long ago it was listed in the past near past uh, with another realtor and he was very I'm sure he's a very good realtor. I'm not I'm not saying anything negative about him, but the feedback that I got from the seller was he was very focused on this property should be a church. Because it really feels like it could be set up as a church. The mm-hmm. the areas where they do the martial arts is big and open. It could be a sanctuary. There's a loft, which could be great choir loft or organ or whatever. I mean, it definitely could be set up like that. Um, and so that's how we marketed it. And that was it. And that was just, you know, one needle in the haystack. Whereas I'm looking at it as, you know, it could be a huge home for a huge family. It could be repurposed into that pretty easily. It could be like a think tank or um, a circus camp or a tech startup or a manufacturing facility. So it can be all kinds of things. So, you know, our marketing plan is going to try and increase the number of needles in that haystack, meaning increase 
the potential buyers for that property by helping people think outside the box and helping them see all the potential visions of that, if that makes sense. So that's um, that's kind of how you need to approach it when you've got a unique property. We're going to come back and talk about a couple more solutions and a couple more ideas um, on what to do if you're trying to sell a unique property. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Why do some people seemingly make the same mistakes when it comes to love and relationships? What is the best way to find love? Make a visit each week to Destination Love. Host Shelley Pumphrey will bring what you need to know to find love. No, it's not about the next fad, dating site tips, scoring the first date, or looking your best. Rather, it's empowerment, knowing that your authentic self works best and the science behind finding love. Destination Love is live Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back as we wrap up in our final segment what you need to know about buying or selling a unique property. Just a couple notes for buyers. Um, you know, you might want to just really think about it if you're considering purchasing a, you know, an offbeat kind of home. While it's a, a home is something you should love, it is also an investment. And a home that has unique and unchangeable structural features, you know, it's going to be trickier to sell. It just is, you know, there's a neighborhood, a couple of neighborhoods here in town that have wood foundations, homes built on wood foundations. I would consider those kind of unique properties because it's not standard construction technique around here. Um, there's just a handful of homes in this area and people kind of go, huh? Huh? But wood in the ground, there's termites and, you know, it just is, seems counterintuitive. Um, and so, you know, I always tell people that are looking at homes in that area, just know, I want you to know right now when you're buying it, that it's going to take you a little bit longer to sell it. 
It'll well, it'll sell. It'll sell, but it's going to take you a little bit longer to sell it because it's a little bit more um, of a unique property. So just something to really consider. Um, but like you said, most people buy these unique properties because they love them mm-hmm. and it's their dream home. So uh, resale is not a huge, huge issue typically. So when you need to sell, here are some solutions. One is to think creatively. Um, and so one of the ways to think creatively is to check the zoning. Um, you know, most people, I thought I was reading this from an article. So most people don't actually live in a house, want to live in a house that looks like a theme park ride. I'm like, that's kind of cool. I might. I don't know. Uh, Some places are so quirky that they're better suited for shops and restaurants than private homes. So here's that. Remember we talked in the beginning of the show about the shoe house? Yes. Okay, so here's a story about that. Um, Take the Haynes Shoe House in Helen, Pennsylvania, for example. Built by the shoe magnet, a shoe magnet in uh, 1948, the structure is shaped like that enormous high-topped boot. When the owners decided to sell, their listing agency, Realty Select, notified the media. Local news stories led to international coverage. I'm not sure I can get international coverage for any of my unique listings, but uh, including a mention in a Japanese magazine. A prospective buyer in England considered using the shoe house for a part-time residents but the winning offer came from a pennsylvania restaurant owner who wanted to open an ice cream parlor the shoe shape was just an attraction said the buyer's representative um so it went from being a home to being a commercial and i think that um, is something you need to look at i have this tiny house for sale uh, in a little town just right outside of bloomington called steinsville which is the cutest little town ever and it's a tiny house it was the original doctor's office for the town and it's got two rooms a very nice bathroom it's been completely restored it was built in the 1800s uh, having a hard time finding a buyer because it's unique for sure and I actually had this conversation with the seller just last week about what the, we're trying to figure out what the zoning is in that town and what our options are because maybe we could market it as a commercial property if someone looking for you know a little office space a little you know um massage parlor not massage parlor that's not what they're called <laughs> Rachel's laughing at me <laughs> Oh, it's been a long day. Okay, so, you know, with that place where people go get massages or whatever, a little day spa, something. Um, so you think think creatively in that sense. And, um, and then there is another story that I have to share because I thought it was hysterical. Um, and I'll tell you why at the end. But this was a suggestion um, that I found um, someone making about um, being creative when you're trying to sell a unique property. They say, let the cameras roll. Um, and, uh, and so they're talking about trying to get publicity like on the news. Um, and so here's the story. It's the, there was eye-popping originality led to top-notch publicity for Ron Stanchfield of Counselor Realty in Wayzata, Minnesota. Ron and his wife, Diana, who is also a realtor, are selling or were selling their domed home near Lake Minnetonka. So it's got massive concrete walls and an innovative geodesic roof. Uh, and the building is an oddity in an area where homeowners tend to favor conventional colonials. Even after radical price reductions, buyers shied away. The people drive by and think it's too extreme. Uh, so how, what could they do? How could they convince prospective buyers to look inside? The answer came when their listing 
was selected for a segment on an HGTV show, Extreme Homes of the Frozen North. Uh, for the Stanchfields, the program was like an electronic open house, letting viewers see the awe-inspiring dome ceilings and sun-drenched rooms. Um, any form of television promotion from HGTV to local network can generate excitement, and you can find out how to submit. I thought this was interesting. You're listing to be featured on a new, one of the numerous shows that air on HGTV by going to be on HGTV page of the HGTV website. So, of course, I immediately went there. Yeah. And, like, went down. I was like, can any of my listings work for this? No, because it's, like, beach home in Bahamas. Like, I don't have any beach homes in Bahamas. So, but here's what I thought was interesting. So, they make a big deal about, you know, this is a great idea. And they did this. And they got all this exposure. And then the story ends. And it says, however, TV fame does not guarantee a speedy sale. And their home is still on the market. (laughs) I was like, well, that didn't work, did it? But you know, trying to get a little bit of your um, own attention. There was another story, too, about this home that was painted like an American flag, and the owner refused to repaint it but wanted to sell. And so the realtor, like, really played it up, and she, you know, like, held parties, American flag themes, things, and she even, like, went and got red, white, and blue fringe and, like, sewed it onto all of her jeans. So as she'd walk around town, she was, like, red, white, and blue, and people were like, what's that about? And she'd go, well, I have this house for sale. Yeah, my sellers, I will never do that for you. I, I promise you. But the point is to be creative and think outside the box a little bit. Um, and another really great suggestion was to find your niche. Um, so that would be like if you, there are organizations out there dedicated to dome homes and that kind of construction. So, you know, getting the word out amongst, you know, those people. Like here is another example. This one has a... It's eight interconnected domes. It was a 5,800-square-foot home of eight interconnected domes set on 40 acres. And it looks like white white igloos clustered <laughs> on a scenic bluff. But um, the realtor found some message boards and email discussion groups of people who were dome enthusiasts and ended up selling the home uh, to one of them. So, you know, go and find the niche, you know, find where they are. Another thing I wanted to say was listen to feedback because that's the market talking to you. And even if you don't have showings, that's feedback. And again, I just want to say it again. You've got to disconnect from your home um, and keep it in perspective, you know, of, of what the, the market and the buyers are trying to say to you. And all the things that matter when you're selling a conventional home matter even more when it's a unique property. Um, no one's going to buy a unique property if they think it has issues. They're just not, and people aren't that, you know, stupid, I guess. Uh, so pre-listing inspections, spotlessly clean, all of those things are still going to be really, really important too. Um, and I wanted to just touch on this, and I think I may do a show on it later this summer, um, but an auction might be an option as well, doing a real estate auction. You know, a lot of people think that real estate auctions are for distressed properties, but they're really not. They are certainly for motivated sellers, um, but uh, they can create this sense of urgency. Um, and the nice thing about auctions is that it creates a sense of value um, because if someone is willing to pay two ninety five, that makes the other buyer feel like, well, they're willing to pay two ninety five. I was willing to pay two ninety five. So I'd probably be willing to pay three because if they think it's worth two ninety five, then it's probably worth three. You know what I'm saying? I do. You get this; it gets validation. Right. Um, whereas if you're not bidding against someone, you don't know if there's any other offers or any other interests. Um, you know, it it makes it harder to 
help you establish a value for a unique property because you can't really do comps on it either. So, um, so that's something that I think um, should seriously be considered if it's a situation where the seller is really needing to sell. I mean, if the seller's like, oh, I'll just test the market, that's a different story, but uh, auctions can definitely work that too. So unique properties, come buy all of mine. Yeah. My tiny houses and my giant martial arts studio. And, uh, oh, I've got a house coming up too that's on the historic National Historic Registry. So, all kind, cool. yeah, so all kinds of really interesting things. I love the stories of the tiny, of the unique houses uh, and homes and properties. So um, don't be afraid of them. Just be educated going in. I think that wraps it up for another episode. Time just flies by. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy this beautiful spring day if you are listening live. And uh, don't forget that you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes. Just uh, search my name, Deb Tomorrow, D-E-B-T-O-M-A-R-O. And we are there with many, many, many hours of all kinds of information. We will be back next week with another show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great week. This was Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.